RBC is a proud partner and supporter of Powwow Pitch and Indigenous entrepreneurs like Squalwen Botanicals' Lee Joseph. Discover her story in RBC's latest edition of A Chosen Journey at rbc.com forward slash a chosen journey. Traditional healing with a modern vibe. Sister Sage, powwow pitch winner, has got you covered. Cleanse your body and spirit with smokeless smudge, handmade soaps and bath bombs. Peace, love and smudge. Join the Sage fam at sistersage.com. Quay, I'm Sunshine Quem Tenasco, and I'm an Anishinaabe entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi Anishinaabe. I use Shopify to power my business, Herbraids, where I sell beaded pendants that support water security in Indigenous communities across Canada. You can sell your products online too with a 30-day free trial. Visit shopify.com forward slash powwow pitch today to put your products online and grow. Quay. Welcome everyone to the Powwow Pitch Podcast, a show empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. I am your host, Sunshine Quem Tenasco, and I'm an entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi Anishinaabeg. I got my entrepreneurial start on Dragon's Den selling baby moccasins. And today I'm the creator of Powwow Pitch and Her Braids, an author, water protector, mom, and advocate of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Each year, Powell Pitch supports thousands of Indigenous entrepreneurs to tell their stories. I launched this podcast to grow the reach of our entrepreneurial wisdom connected to our rich culture and deep roots as Indigenous people. On this podcast, I interview some of the most successful Indigenous entrepreneurs, makers and creators to share their stories, learnings and wisdom to lift us all. The Powwow Pitch Podcast is a production of Powwow Pitch, syndicated through the Startup Canada Podcast Network and co-presented by RBC, Shopify, and Facebook. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone. I hope you are in the mood to dance, smile and jingle. Today we are so lucky to have cultural educator and viral, I said viral, YouTube host Deanne Hupfield. Deanne is the host of How to Powwow Dance on YouTube. She is a powwow dance and regalia making teacher. She is an Anishinaabe from Tomogamy First Nation. Many Indigenous people do not have access to powwow culture. Deanne's virtual regalia-making courses teach step-by-step how to design, cut, and sew your regalia. By making regalia and joining the powwow circle, Deanne's students reconnect to culture taken from them. Deanne, welcome to the Powwow Pitch Podcast. We're so happy to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Um, We've been uh, following your story for for quite a few years now, uh, starting from uh, the first time you po- you came to Powwow Pitch and pitched uh, to the second time you came to Powwow Pitch. So uh, tell us about yourself. Um, Ani, uh, yeah, my name is Deanne Huffield. Thanks so much for that awesome introduction. I'm just sitting here just smiling. <laughs> oh, good. I feel happy to just like to 
be a guest and watch your story unfold and how much you share. So I feel really lucky that uh, that you're sitting here taking the time to chat with us and share your story. So, um, yeah, we like to hear we like to hear about it. Go for it. Um, so I have been powwow dancing since I was a really small girl. And my mother was a part of the 60s scoop. And and when I when I wanted to learn to dance, she was not able to teach me. And but she did her best to support me. She took me to powwows and just told me to follow the women and to do what the women did, the jingle dress dancers in Thunder Bay. And like over time, I went to as much powwows as I could and I danced with no regalia. And I considered myself a jingle dress dancer when I was dancing when I was small. Mm. And then when I became, um, as I grew up, uh, my mother, she struggled with trauma. Like um, she struggled with addictions because of her crappy upbringing as a 60 scoop kid. And she, um, because of that, she turned to addictions to like cope with her trauma. And it ended up, I ended up being apprehended uh, multiple times by uh, foster care. So I ended up in and out of the foster care system. And my mom, because she knew what it was like to grow up in the foster care system, she didn't want that for me and my sibling. So she um, she worked really hard and she sobered up and she did get us back. Um, but she didn't have access to lots of resources to help um, address her trauma. So like once we went back to live with her, like she she still struggled. And she um because of her, yeah, because of all of the intergenerational trauma in my family, like my mom didn't work and we grew up on social assistance and we were we were so poor when I was little. And my life started off really rough, like um, just like my mom sometimes she ended up relapsing when I was like 11 and she would have parties and it was just like I was living in chaos and it was like it was so crappy Mm -hmm. and then um I because of the chaos like and because of the poverty that we lived in I eventually started to steal to provide for myself and I was like going to the inner city intercity mall in Thunder Bay and I would just like we never had money for clothes. So I would just like take my clothes that I wanted from stores. And eventually I got caught and I was sent to juvie. And it was in juvie where um, most of the native, most of the kids in juvie were all native children. Mm. And um, they sent us to this program called the New Experience Program. And it was like a sharing circle run by a, a native counselor. And he, like talked about a life of sobriety and he talked about a life of like just a really good life that I never knew existed. And I was like, Oh, I want that life. And he, he took me under his wing and he showed me culture and he's taught me about power dancing and he took me fasting on our, he took like a bunch of us. He took like a bunch of us kids on fasting ceremony when we were like, I was 13 years old by then. And it was like that process of reconnecting to my culture that really helped me. um, It really helped me heal my intergenerational trauma. And I always knew that I wanted to like share that with people around me. And I remember like 
by the time I was 19, I was, I was a dancer for many years by then. I was like, I'm going to be a dance teacher. And like, let's, let's, I was like talking to my best friend. I was like, let's start a dance class. And then we rented the local gym as like a, it was Ogden school. I was like, let's rent Ogden school gym and let's start a dance class. And we made flyers. We passed out the flyers. A bunch of people showed up. And like, I was the worst teacher in the world. I did not know what to do. I was like, <laughs> I was just dancing. I was like, okay, everyone just follow me and let's just dance. And then like, it, we had people come on the first day and then no one ever came back. <laughs> Rip. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. <laughs> and so now this was, how old were you when you first, that when you first did your dance class, when you were first the terrible 19. teacher? 19. Yeah. And how old are you now? I'm 37 now. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's almost 20 years of uh, doing this work. And then, yeah. and then, so when, what happened after? Did you stop doing that or what happened after you, after no one showed up for the first class? Um, well, because I was a very irresponsible young 19 year old and like, I didn't have lots of life skills at that point. Mm-hmm. I like, I just stopped the class. And I didn't pay the bill, but I still booked the gym. (laughs) (laughs) So I accumulated like debt, my first debt. And it was like three, I owed the gym like 300 bucks and it went to collections. And it was like, I had to pay it off when I was like 25. I think I paid it off when it went to collections. (laughs) (laughs) When they found you? (laughs) They found me. (laughs) Did they find you through a cousin or they went, they found you right through you? Because I have a story where... My uh, something it, uh, from my, you know, 18 year old self went to collections and they couldn't find me because I, I didn't have my own phone number. And my cousin also went to collection and they they found her. And once they were done talking with her, they asked her if they knew it, if she knew a sunshine Tenasco. And uh, she said, nope. And then called me and said, collections is after you. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the nice things about having, uh, I guess, uh, cousins is they tell you this stuff. Um, but it's good that you paid it off at 25. I think uh, mine took about that long, too, for me to, OK, maybe I should pay this because I want to do things in the future. Um, so when did you start it or what, when did you decide to jump back on the on the horse? Um, so when I was 19, like I started, I was teaching dance and, um, I was making regalia a lot at that point, like just hand making them. I didn't know how to make zippers. I didn't know how to make sleeves. I didn't know how to make flares. Mm -hmm. I was just like winging it. And and I was like, oh, I really want to learn how to make better regalia. So I'm like, I'm going to apply for fashion school in Toronto and I'm going to like learn how to make regalia better. And I, I got accepted. And the counselor that took me in when I was, that took me under his wing when I was 13, mm-hmm. I eventually went to live with him and his family. So him, I, I, I grew basically when I was 15 till I was like 22, like I lived off and on with him and his family. So him and his oldest daughter drove me to Toronto and like found me a place to live and then left me here. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. Um yeah, so you really, I, I have a person like that. We have a person like that in our community who has since passed away, but she did uh, for our community, our entire community, what this man did for you. And I actually dedicated my first book to her, uh, Pauline DeConti, and she was the mm-hmm. one that brought um, 
you know, circle and ceremony. And and she brought the drum back to our community and it hadn't been there uh, in how long? Um, yeah. So and and then what happened after? Um, so I came to fashion school in Toronto. Um, it was it was amazing. I learned so much about pattern drafting mm. and des- the design elements of pattern construction. And I went to the Native Center. I was like, hey, I want to teach power dance and I want to teach regalia making. You guys want to hire me? And they're like, OK, <laughs> just just like that. Sure. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started teaching there in 2008. And I've been, I, I still teach there. I teach a power dance class every weekend there. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, I've been teaching regalia making since then too. Um, and sometimes I travel to communities and sometimes I, um, yeah, I can't go far though. Cause like I have a bunch of kids now, so I can only go as far. Like I can only teach in Toronto. Well, so. that's it. And like, so I don't even know a lot of people who make regalia who actually have training. Like in our community, we just wing it. Like we don't even know how. Oh, okay, we're going to do a T-shaped dress. How does that look? I don't know. And just cut and figure it out. So the fact that you sort of took it to the next level and have, you know, real patterns and real like, you know, where did that idea come from? Um, well, I always, I always knew I wanted to like teach power dance mm-hmm. since like way, way back then. And I would always like, like, okay, my first idea was like, I'm just going to go to powers as a vendor mm-hmm. and sell t-shirts. And that I didn't make a lot of money doing that. I couldn't support myself. And then my second idea was like, okay, well, I've been teaching dance for a while. Like I want to go around and I want to like teach people how to teach it in their community because like I can't go and teach dance in all these reserves because like I can't travel Mm -hmm. I was like I'll just start this company and I'll go train people how to teach it in their own community and like develop the people there so that they can do it in their own community because this is like such a good way of life and it's yeah once you join the power circle it's so empowering like you just feel so beautiful and strong Mm -hmm. when you wear your regalia Mm -hmm. and I wanted that for my community and then, uh, and then that never, like, I went to one reserve and then that was like a lot of work and it was hard on my kids. So like, I was like, okay, well, I can't really do that. And then I went to the new relationship trust, the young entrepreneurship symposium one year. Mm-hmm. And then yes, it's called Yes, eh? Is yeah, that yeah. the one? Yeah. And the, yeah, it was, it was so inspiring. And then I was on the plane to flying home with John, my husband, and I was like, I know what I want to do. I'm like, I want to make an online regalia making course because then I don't have to travel and then I can just mail people the stuff and teach them on videos mm-hmm. and then I was like yes that's what I'm gonna do and I'm like and then I'll teach power dancing on YouTube for free and then that will be like how I um how I get people to know about me mm-hmm. and then that following that same year I think is or the following year I went to power pitch and I pitched it a power pitch because I wanted I want to mail people the patterns and teach them the skills to make a regalia and teach them about sleeves and zippers and flares and neck facings and darts and all the stuff that I wish I I had access to when I was first making my regalias. 
Yeah. And I don't see, I, you know, and I still don't see people doing that. Um, I, you know, and you're the, the first person that I seen who is doing that for uh, our communities. I think it's amazing. Um, but I also seen something that you posted and I, I feel like you'd be comfortable sharing because you put it online about cultural appropriation. And I know that that's a, oh God, that's a huge huge issue right and not just amongst nation to nation but like first nation to other first nation but also uh first nation indigenous to non-indigenous people so i'd like to have a quick chat about that too like what have you learned what have you you know because you've put that out there and asked community and in a very respectful way and you know me as an outsider looking into your business and following your story i can see that you're doing it in uh you know the real anishinaabe way you know uh, uh and doing things in a good way so, um, yeah, what have you learned about cultural appropriation? And please be honest, we're all still learning. I'm still learning. Where's that line? What have you, you know, what have you decided on? Well, that was like one of the biggest um, barriers that I put on myself. So, like, I was like, I can't do it until I figure out this cultural appropriation thing. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want non-Indigenous. Like I made this course to support indigenous people to have access to power culture. Mm-hmm. And I know there is a movement of non-indigenous people that like to pretend to be native. Mm-hmm. And I didn't make this course for them. Like, um, I think in the U S they call them hobbyists. Oh, see, like, how am I, we call how them pretendians gonna... in our, yeah. in our res. I don't know what you call them, but they have a term they're called pretendians. <laughs> well, the hobbyists, they are, they're just like, I'm not native and I just make a regalia and I just want to, I love this culture and I'm going to pretend to, or I like, I'm going to make a regalia and I'm going to become a power dancer. Mm. And they don't claim indigenous identity, mm. but in Canada, there are people that like, based on family lore, they say that they're native mm-hmm. when they have no proof and they never grew up in our communities. They, yeah. So that's another thing. So like one of the things I do, I always in my youtube videos i'm like you got to learn where you're from like if you're gonna claim to be native like you got to find where your community is from and i understand that the 60 scoop Mm -hmm. um like affects that but then yeah it's just crazy some of the stories i've heard yeah we've we've all heard them like it's everywhere it's hard it's a it's a difficult situation um, but like for our for our listeners who are maybe not indigenous or who haven't heard about it, what is a 60s scoop? Um, so it's like in the in the 60s, it was like an assimilation policy agenda where they would just like take indigenous kids and adopt them out or just put them in the child welfare system. Um, yeah, and they would just like put them in newspapers like advertise like get your native kid today Mm -hmm. and they were just like giving away all these native kids to non-indigenous families yeah Um, like puppies yeah yeah my mom just ended up in the child welfare system so she just ended up in like many many unsafe foster homes so it was really yeah and then she did get a part of the 60 scoop settlement i think she got like twenty two thousand. And it's like for, there a, you go. for a lifetime. We stole, yeah. we stole your childhood. Here's 22K. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Shut up money. Eh? Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's that's tough. So like and that too, like you're doing this, uh, you know, in honor of your mom and in honor of yourself and your lived experience because of what happened. I think that is ridiculously empowering. Like it blows my mind that that story and that upbringing and what was taken from your mom and therefore taken from you, um, you know, whether it was this man or not, maybe who inspired you, that old man, but it was you who said, nope, we're, we're, we're stopping this and this is what we are going to do positively moving forward. And you're sharing what changed your life to other Indigenous people. Um, wow. Like friggin' wow. Um, that is huge. Um, so I, I also seen on your Facebook that um, now people can access your uh, Indigenous people, right? What, what was it? Jordan's yeah. principle? Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so I recently had someone apply to my course through Jordan's principle and it was covered. So Jordan's principle is like, it's a fund to support indigenous kids so that they don't um, fall through the cracks. So it can be health. They have health, education and culture, I believe. And someone applied through the culture part, through the culture dollars of Jordan's principle. Mm -hmm. And like they got tuition to my course and they got um, money for supplies. Wow. So they can buy their jingles and their fabric and their sewing machine and yeah, it's just amazing because that's not such a barrier for so much families. It's mm-hmm. like people are just living in, um, they're living in like, they just want to survive. Like, that's the goal is like, let's just survive. Like, let alone, like, let's be creative. Like, people have to have those resources to be able to um, be creative and to do that healing instead mm-hmm. of being always like on guard. Mm-hmm. So I it's, agree. It's such a, yeah, it's such an amazing opportunity for and you and they recently changed Jordan's principle. So if you're a a six two, like if you if you're six two and you have a child with like a non-indigenous or non-status person, mm-hmm. that child will not get Indian status. Mm-hmm. And before Jordan's principle would discriminate against this native person's kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but now if your child is non-status and your status, like you you can still access Jordan's principle. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. So six, you know, uh, Indigenous Affairs categorizes us. uh, You know, if you have two status parents, you're qualified as or deemed a six one. Right. Uh, If you have one Indigenous parent or uh, and the other one's not Indigenous or, you know, sometimes there's, you know, no father on the birth certificate or all these other little uh, scenarios, then you are deemed a six two, you know, sort of half indigenous and then if the 62 uh has a baby with someone who has no status someone non-indigenous uh you then have no status or you know you've lost it so um that's super interesting i i really suggest everyone who can't afford uh to take this class and and who wants to because i think there's also so many indigenous people who are still so shy and they want to. I personally know so many people who've wanted to dance uh, for years and only recently, you know, started or they feel like 
their regalia is not good enough, you know, because there's some regalias that have been in the works for years. Like I've seen your regalia, Tiana, and it's like stunning, um, you know, but there's some people who, you know, maybe don't have the hair ties, can't afford it or whatever. Uh, what would you say to those people who who like really want to because you go to the powwows and it, it moves you, you feel it in your heart and your spirit and you want to be a part of something because it's bigger than you, you know, um, what would yeah. you say? Um, I would say just get out there. Like you don't even have to take my course, like just make whatever and just get out there. Cause like, that's how you learn. You learn by like making the mistakes and being brave and getting out there. And like, when you get out there, like, don't even think about the people watching, which is really hard to do. Like just make, just, I always tell people don't give a, a crap about mm -hmm. what people think. And just like, I always I wear glasses and I, I get nervous too. So I like, I'll take off my glasses so I can't see anyone's face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> can't see you. You don't exist. I like that. Yeah. That's a good business tip too. That's a good life tip, not just a uh, dancing tip. Um, and then before, before I let you go here, I, you know, I wanted to, to touch on your children. Um, and if you want to share a bit about, about your story and your, you know, uh, yeah, a little bit about that. Cause you know, I think, uh, entrepreneurship, we, we do it yes to pay bills and not to just survive. Hopefully we learn how to thrive doing something that we love to do. Um, but you know, a lot of us have children. I have four children myself. Um, and, and I'm a single mom, three of which I raise, uh, by myself. So I, I understand that too. And that's always, you know, going to be your, your number one concern. And, uh, you know, you've been open about that too. And about, uh, so if you could share uh, a bit about that, that would be awesome. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I've met, I've been with my partner now for like 12 years and in the um we had our our first child when we were 27 it's actually her ninth birthday today mm, happy birthday yeah, my, yeah neiman's turning nine today and um of course her name is ne uh, yeah. Ziff. okay tell us what that <laughs> <Yeah>. means <laughs> it means uh it means dance in anishinaabe in anishinaabe moen yeah we named our first daughter neiman and our second daughter's name bidabin mm. and bidabin is four and when Bidobin was born, I ended up getting um, customary care of my, my siblings' kids. So I have five kids now, and it's really tough. Um, and, like, the only time that I usually get work done is when they're away at school. It's like if they're – and then once they come home, then I'm like, I got to cook, I got to – support the kids and make sure they don't beat the crap out of each other <laughs> make sure they clean their room and brush their teeth and wash their hands and all the basic basic things um and then when they're sometimes though like if i really have to get work done i'll just work with them and i'll just film my youtube tutorials with them running around the background or i'll just yeah i work after i put them to bed sometimes um and yeah it's just like I just have to chip away. I, I use a sauna and the sauna is like a, I used to use a to-do book and I, I always have a to-do book, but sometimes the pages get buried and I, I, I lose track of my tasks. So I recently started using a sauna. So it keeps on my tasks at the top that are not completed that I can just check them off. Um, 
Asana is just like a an app that's like I think it's like eleven dollars US eleven US dollars a month and I use that to manage all of my my very large to do list. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah. yeah. We were yeah, just, I'm just getting re- ready to relaunch my jingle dress course because I'm adding a bunch of upgrades to the course just to make it just to support people to like completely finish their dress. And so I'm adding um, leggings, moccasins and capes PDF downloads to my course. <gasps> so I'm so excited to add that. Amazing. Created. And it's, and it's yeah. what, sorry? So it's like it has many sizes. So it has like from very skinny calves to like very large calves. Yeah. So it's like, um, yeah, it's going to be good for all of my students. I'm so excited to be adding those now. And then I'm going to relaunch the course. And then I have to like email all my um, subscribers to my website um, so that they can learn about the new upgrades. Okay, so where where can we find you? Everybody uh, who's listening, uh, hopefully can, you know, who wants to join and or if they can't join to apply through Jordan's principal, where can we access all this stuff? Um, my I sell everything on my website, Um, And then people, yeah, people can purchase through my website. I have a YouTube channel called How to Pow Wow Dance. Um, and then my Instagram is like my personal slash business Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just Deanne Hupfield. Everything is just Deanne Hupfield or how to power dance. Perfect. Um, any last words of advice? Uh, what would you, you know, what's the one thing you would say to someone who was, you know, 19, 20, who was trying to uh, start a business and start their their venture what would you tell them um just like especially if it's a woman mm-hmm. to just have faith in herself mm-hmm. and to like to just get out there and start like don't don't wait just make mistakes mm. try it make mistake fall down get back up do it again cuz that's the only way we learn i put this off for so long cuz i was like oh i got too much kids now i can't do it like, oh, the pandemic hit. Oh, I can't do it now. But actually, the pandemic was a perfect time to launch it because, yeah. But, yeah, like, we put all these own barriers on ourselves and we just got to, like, get our hands dirty and learn by doing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Let's uh, let's get our hands dirty. Um, thank you so much. I love your story. I love watching what you're doing, how you're growing um and uh i feel like we'll talk again thank you so much for being uh, a part of this uh powwow pitch podcast and uh kikawab men thank you for joining us today on the powwow pitch podcast dedicated to empowering indigenous entrepreneurs thank you to our co-presenting partners rbc facebook and shopify to our syndicate partners startup canada to our producers, Victoria Lennox and Cyprian Shalankevich, and to everyone who makes Powwow Pitch possible. Be sure to visit powwowpitch.org to explore how we can support you to start your business and sign up to our newsletter to learn more about the Indigenous Startup Program to get access to training and mentors, the Powwow Pitch competition for your chance to win up to $25,000, and the Indigenous Entrepreneurship Awards to celebrate your success. Until next time, I am your host, Sunshine Quam Tanasco, miigwech.